We get asked questions all the time. Hey, Dad, can I watch something on TV? Dad, can you get me a drink? Hey, Dad, you want me to take the dog out? Do you want some scrambled eggs? Can I play a game, please? May I turn on some music, please? Can I watch Frozen? Can I take a ride on my bike? Hey, Dad, want to play Battleship? Dad, what's for dinner? Can I color? Why is the sky Why is the dog going out? Why is water wet? Dad. Hey, Dad. Daddy! But when God asks... Question. Noun. A sentence worded or expressed so as to elicit information. We do get asked questions all the time. From the time we awaken in the morning to the time we go to sleep at night. And half the time while we're sleeping, we're dreaming about questions that are in our minds. But if a question is a sentence that's put together to elicit information. Why would God ask them? I mean, if God knows everything, and we believe he does, scripture bears that out, then why would he ask questions? He already knows the answers. And yet, throughout scripture we see, God has asked many questions. So we're going to look at those questions and we're going to search out the reason for the question. Grab your Bibles. This is going to be a wild ride. As we begin our new series called When God Asks. I'm Michael Land and this is Landline. It's our hope with each episode of Landline that you will find strength and the resurrection power of Christ in the presentation of the Word of God. We pray that God will use His Word to change your life and to draw you ever closer to Him by His Spirit. You can visit us at www.patreon.com slash worldwide to be a monthly sponsor. Every dollar goes toward the outreaches of Foundation Christian Ministries Worldwide. Please join with us as we work together to expand the kingdom. No gift is too small or too great as it assists us in making real-world differences in people's lives. We believe in touching people's lives right where they are, whether it's through an online podcast, placing written training materials in the hands of ministers around the globe, or special speaking engagements. It's a great big vision, and we need your help. Now, back to the message. Let's start our message today looking in Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? 
And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? I think it's safe to say that Adam and Eve had a pretty sweet deal going on. The creator of the universe had placed them in the garden, had given them dominion over all the things in the garden, had pretty much given them free reign. It was a beautiful, perfect, and happy place. There was no danger to them. There was no disease. There was nothing for them to worry about. There was just one caveat. Don't eat of this particular tree. Now, we all know the story, how Eve was tempted and how she fell and Adam fell alongside her and how a curse was pronounced upon mankind from that day forward. But I want to talk about the moments after the fall. I want to talk about the conversation that God had with Adam and Eve. You see, for the only time in human history, there was an unfiltered, completely open and free communication between God and man, where man could actually be in the presence of God. He was perfect. He was sinless. There was nothing to separate him from the presence of God. And man gave it up. And as soon as he sinned, he recognized that he was naked. And when he heard God walking through the garden in the cool of the day, In the evening, he hid himself. And here we find something interesting. You see, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about how God is omniscient. He knows everything. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. And he is omnipotent, meaning that he can do what he wants to do. So, if God knows everything, it strikes me as a little interesting that he asked a question. Think about it for a moment, because a person who already knows does not need to ask a question. You already know the answer, and God knew the answer. He didn't have a problem finding Adam. He was not unaware of Adam's location. He was not lost in the garden. He sees all and knows all, right? So why did he ask? There's a simple thing to keep in mind. Whenever you're reading in scripture and God asks a question, it's never for his own benefit. 
It's for the benefit of the person to whom he's asking the question. You see, by asking a question, he forces his listener to think about the answer. God didn't need to know where Adam was. God already knew where Adam was. But Adam needed to stop and think about where he was. You see, when God said to him, where are you? Adam had to stop and think for the first time in my entire existence. I am hiding from my God. Why am I hiding from my God? Because I've sinned. What is the impact of that sin? I recognize that I'm naked. I've lost the covering of my innocence. God asked three questions in very rapid sequence. He said, where are you? He said, who told you that you were naked? And he said, have you eaten from the tree I told you not to eat from? I I find myself doing the same thing to my children sometimes. When I have given them instructions or I've told them not to do something and I walk in and, and they've done what I've asked them not to do, I will ask them, fully knowing the answer, did you do that? Did you go where I told you not to go? Did you, whatever the situation is, I will look at them and I will ask them and they have to come face to face with their own choices. Where are you? There's a lot of depth to that. Being accustomed to having one-on-one intimate contact with the Father and walking in the cool of the day in the garden with him, being able to talk, being able to communicate, being able to be free and comfortable as one would be with his own family members. And suddenly, Adam had to say, why am I hiding? What is this guilt and shame that I feel? Where are you? There have been times in my life when I've made choices that I regret. There have been choices that I've made in my life that have been sinful. There have been behavioral patterns that I've had in my past that have made me ashamed. And let me tell you something that you're not going to hear a lot in church these days. And shame can be a good thing. Shame is an emotion that is created just like every other emotion. Shame is not a negative thing in the right context. When we've done something wrong, we should be ashamed. And then when we repent of it, the shame is gone. That's how it works. We have a culture these days that says, don't ever feel shame. You should never feel shame. You should never feel guilt. You should never feel these things because they're negative and they bring you down and they distract you. No, 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 no. Those who never feel shame, those who never feel guilt, are self-centered and narcissistic. Shame is a positive thing in the right context. Shame for unrepented sin is positive, and it drives you to repentance. Shame for sin that you have repented of That is destructive. That is unnecessary. That is not of God. But shame when you've done something wrong and you've allowed sin and your choices to come between you and your communion with God, you should feel ashamed because that shame will drive you to repentance. Don't ever cast aside shame if you haven't repented 
Don't ever encourage someone. Don't 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 feel ashamed. Don't feel ashamed. Don't don't put artificial shame on someone, but don't tell someone to ignore the shame that they feel because all you're doing is searing the conscience. Don't allow your conscience to be seared and don't encourage other people to walk with a seared conscience. Shame should lead us to repentance and change. When God came into the garden, he said, where are you? And Adam at that moment had to, I could just imagine him hiding behind the tree, blinking his eyes, saying, wow, this is a first. I'm hiding from God. I was created to honor him. I was created to have communion with him. And yet I have separated myself from him. I have put my sin between my God and me. Haven't we all done that from time to time? Have you ever made a decision in your life that you knew put a distance between you and God? I have. I know I have. There have been times I didn't want to go to church because I felt guilty. How can I go and sing the songs of praise in the church if I'm carrying this guilt in my heart? Sometimes, like I said earlier, sometimes guilt is not uh, the appropriate feeling. Because if I've already committed it to God and I've already asked his forgiveness and I've already repented and turned from that and have chosen to walk in a different direction, then there's no need for shame. There's no need for guilt. It's gone. It's done its work. But if I've already done that and I feel guilty, I'm wrong. If I am feeling shame, And it's because I keep circling the same drain. I keep doing the same things or I intend to in the future. Then shame is a positive thing that will continue to nag at me and draw me to a place of repentance. So Adam, for the very first time, was faced with the decision. Do I allow my shame to separate me from my creator? What a tragedy to have had such a gift of one-on-one face-to-face communication with God and to squander it because of sin. Sin was a new thing in the world. The sin of self, the sin of pride now dwelt in Adam and Eve. And they succumbed to the temptation to do the one thing God told them not to do. It's like the phrase we hear now as a joke all the time. You had one job, Adam. You had one job. And now there was distance between them and God. I hope that every message that I ever preach, everything that I ever teach, points us to repentance. I'm sitting in an office and you are maybe in your car, maybe walking on a treadmill, maybe cooking dinner for your family, maybe on your way to work. It doesn't matter where you are. We're separated by space. We're separated by time. But you know what? Rather than an altar call, because I can't do that, maybe I can point you to repentance. Is there something in your life that you feel has separated you from a close relationship with your creator? Where are you? I think we all need to ask ourselves that question once in a while. Where am I? 
Why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Why am I hiding behind this tree? Why don't I want to be around the people of God? Why do I get so uncomfortable when they ask me questions? Why do I feel the need to be so non-transparent to those around me in the body of Christ? Why does it bother me when my good Christian brother or good Christian sister asks a direct question? Why can I not be accountable? How have I distanced myself from God? How have I broken fellowship? God said, where are you? There are countless preachers and teachers and authors and singers and who will give you the kind of message that makes you feel good about yourself, tells you that there's no reason to feel any shame, that there's no reason for you to feel guilt, that there's no reason for you to wonder, oh, you know, you are what God says you are and, and uh, you know, you're wonderful and God's proud of you and all of that stuff. And that's, you know, that's their message. But let me tell you something. God asks, where are you? Where are you? So this is the message I want to bring to you today. Where are you? I'm not going to sit here and pat us all on the back and tell us all that everything's fine and, oh, you're blessed and you're highly favored and, and, and you know, God's got a plan for you and all of this stuff. I want to ask you, where are you? I have a kind of unfair advantage over your local pastor and in that I'm remote. I can't see you. You can't accuse me of knowing your life and being pointing this at you in any particular personal way. So this is across the board to all of my listeners. I ask you today, where are you? Is there something that you've allowed into your life that has caused separation between you and the Lord. You see, we can walk in fellowship with God. We can walk in communion with Him. That's the reason Jesus came, is to restore that ability that we could walk in communion with God. No, we're not in physical proximity to Him. We don't walk through a garden together, but we can have a close relationship with Him. Do you feel like yours isn't close right now? Do you feel like there's distance? Do you feel uncomfortable with the idea of being face-to-face -face with God? Why? Where are you? You need to ask yourself today, where am I? What has brought me to this place of discomfort? What has brought me to this place that I don't want to get too close, that I want to hide here in the trees rather than walk with my Creator? What is it? that I have allowed into my life that has separated me from my closeness with God. When God asked Adam, where are you? Adam said, I realized I was naked and so I hid. And God said, well, who told you you were naked? Again, God doesn't need to know the answer. He already knows. So he's asking for Adam's benefit and for Eve's benefit. Who told you you're naked? God has placed inside each of us a conscience, the 
sense of when something is not right in what we've done, when there's a problem between us and our Creator. We know. The conscience is such a precious and delicate thing, and yet we work so hard in this world to sear our consciences rather than to listen to them. I mentioned earlier how I've had people tell me, no, 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 don't teach about shame. No one should feel shame. Shame is a bad thing. No, shame is evidence of a bad thing. I was once told when I was going through CPR and first aid training that pain, though we hate it, though we try to avoid it, pain is a good thing. Because it tells us that there's something wrong. If we didn't experience pain, we could put our hand on something very hot and just it would just burn because we wouldn't know. We could break a bone and never know it because there'd be no pain. Pain is a signal that there's something wrong. Shame is a signal that there's something wrong. And when shame comes our way... We need to pay attention to that. It's like the the dashboard lights on your car that tells you there's something wrong. So many of us have been running with the engine light on for so long that we've forgotten what the problem was in the first place. Is your engine light on? Who told you you were naked? Your conscience told you you were naked. Your conscience told you there's something wrong, and that's why you hid You hid because you realized there was something wrong and you were ashamed to stand before God. You you avoid going to church or being around his people because you're terrified that somebody might ask you a question or you're terrified that they're going to see the sin that's in your life. You're terrified that you're going to see that that they're going to see the doubt in your life. You're terrified that they're going to open you like a book and be able to tell what's going on because God can. But you don't have to walk in shame. (laughs) You don't have to hide. Recognize that there's a division between you and God. And repent. It's simple. It's not easy. But it's simple. Repent. Repentance doesn't just mean saying I'm sorry. It doesn't mean going and crying on the altar. It doesn't mean any of that. It can involve those things, but it doesn't mean that. What repentance means, quite simply, is to turn around and go the other direction. I grew up in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. My dad told a story many times about Bishop J. Floyd Williams, who was at a church service and someone was preaching about repentance. And Bishop Williams said, can I demonstrate what repentance really is? And the speaker said, by all means, Bishop, please do. And so Bishop Williams started walking out from the front of the church to the back of the church with his head bowed down the center aisle and he was saying, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. And he wept, I'm going to hell. And when he got to the back of the sanctuary, he knelt down and he raised his hands and he stood and he turned around and he started shouting, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. 
I'm going to heaven. Repentance is to see that you're going the wrong direction and turn around and go the right direction. It's to turn your back on the sin that you have embraced in the past and to walk a different direction. That's repentance and that's the whole purpose for shame. If you have no shame, you don't realize that there's a need to change. God said, where are you? Then he said, who told you you were naked? Your conscience told you you were naked. So now, step one is you've recognized that there's a distance, a separation, a division between you and God. Step two is to realize it's your conscience that's causing you this shame. Why is it happening? And step three, God said, did you eat of the tree I told you not to eat of? He zeroed in on the problem. First, he made Adam recognize that there was a division. Where are you? Second, he made him realize that his conscience was eating at him and causing him that feeling of shame. And then he pinpointed the cause. Did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to eat of? We spend so much time stuffing our feeling of shame and in denial of the sins that we've committed that we never truly repent of them. Have you realized this? When you don't acknowledge the shame that you're feeling, and all you do is try to mask that shame with jokes. I'm a, I'm a consummate joker. I am constantly joking about it. I deal with everything with humor. And sometimes it's been to assuage my own sense of guilt and to distract myself when... I've experienced a great loss. I've found ways to, to, to bring humor into the situation so that I don't have to concentrate on the feeling of pain that I'm feeling. The same as when I'm feeling guilt or shame. I, I joke around to distract myself. Or maybe we distract ourselves with entertainment. Or maybe we distract ourselves with, with some kind of self-medication. Some people drink, some people do drugs, some people sleep a lot to avoid dealing with the shame that they feel. But God said, where are you? He wanted you to recognize that there's a division. And then he said, who told you you were naked? And he wanted you to recognize that your conscience is getting at you because you've done something wrong. And what is it you've done wrong? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat of? He zeroed in on the exact cause of the situation. God doesn't beat around the bush. God doesn't hide from the facts. God is not afraid to peel things open and to make it right. God is trying to call us to repentance. God is trying to call us to change. So I ask you again, where are you? Where are you? Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit of the tree that God told you not to eat of? 
if you're feeling that shame right now, if you're feeling a twinge of guilt right now, if you're feeling uncomfortable right now, that's a good thing. It's a good thing because you can repent. And God's word says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, you don't have to walk in shame. Once you experience that shame, once you feel that guilt, you can realize, hey, that's the warning light going off. That's my conscience is telling me that there's a division, a separation between me and God. And Jesus Christ came to mend that, to fix that separation. So all I have to do is recognize what I've done and then choose to go the opposite direction, repent of that sin, walk in his grace, walk in his mercy, and walk in his forgiveness. You don't have to walk in shame, ladies and gentlemen. You just have to recognize what you've done and change it. You can't go back and change the past, but you can turn your back on the sin. You can turn your back and forsake the sin. And that's what God is calling us to do. Heavenly Father, I have spoken the word that I believe you've given me today. I have brought forth the question that you asked Adam, where are you? Who told you you were naked? And did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat of? And I've tried to bring it out in a way that makes sense to us today, that we can apply it to our lives, that we can walk in repentance instead of shame. Father, reveal yourself to us. And I pray that you will quicken our hearts, that we will recognize what we need to change what we need to repent of, and what we need to make right. Father, we want to walk in close communion with you. I ask that you will help us to remove every obstacle, every barrier that causes us to hide from you. We don't want to hide from you. You see all and you know all. We want to walk clean and pure and holy and righteous in your eyes. Help us to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, my friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance toward you and give you peace. Until next time,